Hello, we are back at the Entertainers Podcast. My name is Aaron. I'm Emil. And I'm here with... Noah. What? Uh, we're here to entertain you. We're going to speak a little bit today about film, about comedy, how to get into that. Because we got a great comedian here who actually hosts his own shows in Toronto every month, who makes his own films. Yeah. Uh, we got Noah Farberman, my oh. very own cousin. Hello. Woo. I'm here. I'm in Toronto where I, I do comedy. Now, uh, Noah, let's talk about a little bit... You know, how you got into film or how you got into comedy. You know, what was you have an event or something when you were younger, something that inspired you to get into this, or maybe a turning point in your life when you realized this is what I want to do professionally. So this is this is an interesting one. Uh I, I started off when I was in thinking um like daycare when I was two, three years old. Uh a woman walked up to my mother and said, Hey, you, your kid's cute. Does he want to do commercials? <laughs> and so like as a baby I was in I was in Sears catalogs. I think I did four commercials from age like four to seven. And so I, I did a bunch of that, and it was kind of like in my blood as this is a, this is a career path, this is an option. And I didn't do too much of that for the while. Like I would go to school plays, but uh, I think the big turning point for me was I went to your bar mitzvah, and your bar mitzvah video was really funny. And I went <laughs> home within a week, and I, I remade your bar mitzvah video with my sister, and I posted it on a YouTube channel, and that's one of our first videos. <laughs> it, was a, it was a lot of fun. And after recording <laughs> this podcast, Noah's going to go home and start his own podcast. <laughs> it's going to be very exciting. It's going to be called Entertain Me. It's just me talking to myself. In a mirror. <laughs> in a <for> mirror. <laughs> not, um, in, not a mirror. No. In a mirror. In a mirror. In, yeah. Oh. Now, uh, that's pretty funny. You were like the Macaulay Culkin of the oh, Farberman yes. family. You were like the child the ch- star. Yeah, there's still a YouTube. If you go on YouTube, I think if you look up uh, Glade Wisp uh, something, it's Glade Wisp something. There's like a 2004 commercial that I'm in. <laughs> now, what's uh, a Glade Wisp? That's what, what I want. Glade Wisp? Glade, it's like uh, you, you know, uh, you walk behind it goes and it smells good. Oh, okay. Oh, so mm. an air freshener. <laughs> yeah, got you. <laughs> Now, uh, do you remember the first film you ever filmed, other than that one, with your sister? So once you finished, you know, doing that, when was the first thing you created? So, I have this great idea, I want to film it. That's a good question. Uh, There's, um, so uh, my filmmaking partner, one of my best friends, Paul Persick, and I, I think in high school, uh, we reconnected in 12th grade, and um, there was a bunch of projects we did for school over the year, but I think the first thing we did was a, a short film called Sidewalk where uh, I, I like the idea of uh, breaking norms as much as I can. So it was, um, you know the old story of like, there's a guy and a girl walking on the sidewalk and there's a puddle, so the guy takes off his jacket, puts it on the, over the puddle, she steps over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought, what happens if it's two guys? <laughs> so, so we have a very nice two-minute short of like, they get to there and one guy starts to take off his jacket and the other guy stops him and they just beat each other up and the winner takes off his jacket, puts it over and they walk across and they hold hands. <laughs> In the old hands. Wait, I assumed the loser would have to put the jacket down. No, no, they they want to be more chivalrous. It's oh, the, yeah. okay. The whole like, oh, the guy has to be a man. Got so you. it's like a relationship in like one minute. You got the fighting, you got the caring, you all, got the loving. That. That's a, that, in that order, that's that's a relationship. Yeah, that sounds healthy. Yeah, you start you start with the fighting. That's now, it. Yeah. Now you Get said you you started back in grade twelve making films again with Paul, who's yeah. one of your good friends. Yeah, uh, I do want to speak a little bit about collaboration because I think that's a really important oh, part right. in the creative process. 100%. Finding yeah, yeah. someone that you can work with just makes everything yeah. easier. Like if I didn't have a meal with me right now, we probably wouldn't have got this podcast off the ground. We wouldn't be able to put out our own you know, yeah, magic products. True. Just having someone to bounce ideas yeah, off bounce of. Someone and push you forward. And push you forward, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Now, I, uh, for, for me, it's also the idea of I don't have to do this just for myself. Now, I can't be lazy because I'm not affecting only me. I'm affecting someone else. Exactly. So that laziness or, you know, that 
you know, I'm going to chill back today, we'll do the work tomorrow, no. oh, is hurting someone else. Yeah. Yeah, so it's fine. always good, you know, just for the motivation to have, you know, that creative partner. Yeah. I want to speak about how you collaborate with your partner, because I think that's something that you can take across any of the arts. You that's know, a... for singing, it's yeah. great to have someone to help you bounce back off the ideas oh, with. Yeah. For dancing, for magic, for acting or writing. Yeah. So I want to speak uh, just a little bit about how you collaborate with Paul. With Paul, so Paul's very much camera oriented, and uh, so what? Actually, here's the thing. Um, we used to do this thing every summer where we'd go to Wonderland and we'll just talk about script ideas. And so uh, the first, I think, um, one of the first like longer shorts we made together, we were at Wonderland. That was like, um, what if we did behind the scenes of uh, of uh, of like a porn set, but we film it just with our high school friends. And so we have like a twenty minute short of like behind the scenes of, uh, of a really weird director making a porn movie. So how did that go? It went, you know what, uh, Paul loves it a lot. I'm disappointed in how I wrote it, but also I was in high school and I didn't know anything. So uh, it's it's a lot of fun to rewatch and go, we did a lot of this really well for people who have not had any skill, like, who have not had any education in the field yet. I think it's, it was a lot of like, it was it was a lot of impressive stuff for where we were at the time. I think that's pretty cool is um, we were... It's it's actually it's ama- it's amazing going like this is where we were at that point and we worked together and we continue to get educated but we continue to work together and now we know each other enough to be able to go like we did that uh, and we as a joke sent it to Sundance and it went like pretty fine and then this year we we went to L A for a film festival and it's like it's it's amazing see the steps we've gone up to I think we went to L A for a film festival the film festival was in Las Vegas and we didn't realize that till we got there but we still <laughs> went to L A for a film festival. So. You threw your own. Is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah sat in the yeah. hotel, popped yeah. open that laptop, and that. So, yeah, we just watched the that. No one Paul Fest. It was really great. We watched all all the movies we made. No, I think that's really interesting what you said. Um, just the idea of looking back at something you had. Yeah. So that's also a really great thing. Um, so you can see the steps that you made, the progress you made, and you yeah. can go back and say, let's say you filmed a comedy short from three years ago and you're filming another comedy short with yeah. the same actors. You can go back and see what parts of the personality you like the most. Yeah. You can go and see what type of jokes work the most. Or how, This how, camera yeah. shot was cool, so let's film that same kind of way. Yeah. So that's a really great thing to do, and that actually applies right back to magic. Uh, if we film our own shows, yeah. that's just a great point to go back and say, okay, this is what we did at that point. This, this is what we like. This yeah. is what we didn't like. So you can learn going forward. Yeah. Because um, <laughs> learning, basically through script writing and writing and working on new material. Yeah. I learned the frustrative part of not having that written down in films in the past. Because sometimes you come up with great things, and you remember they're great, but you can't remember what they are. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Which yeah. is the biggest headache in the whole world. Well, that's uh, one of the first lessons we got at Humber was. Get, have an extensive notebook with you. You can't write down three words because all of a sudden, one of, one of the jokes I hear a lot is like, uh, oh, yeah, uh, there's a comic I have who does a great joke of like, yeah, I looked at my notebook the other day and I found a uh, demon wizard baby. And I don't remember what that meant. <laughs> it meant something. <laughs> Very specific. No, that's true, right? Because you have these ideas in your head. But as creators and as thinkers and entertainers, we're always thinking of the next thing we can do. We're always thinking of ideas when we right. see new things. Mm-hmm. So it's as simple as, here's another little tip, something I do, is I go on my phone and I added my own phone number as a contact. Yeah. So if I think of something, I can always go to my iPhone and say, hey Siri, can you text Aaron, so text myself, this. Yeah. Or I'll go and I'll text myself a reminder. Now you'll have a text message if you don't open it. Yeah. So every time you open your phone, you'll see a little notification that you have a text. 
Yeah. And that will remind you. And don't open that text till you have it done. Yeah. So it's just another little thing. I think it works a little more than a calendar because texts are something we always check. See, the, okay, I have a, I, uh, speaking to that specifically, I think that's how a few of my relationships have ended. Because <laughs> I'll say, oh, I haven't answered this, this person yet. Uh, uh, maybe if I just, it'll, keep, it'll remind me to answer them it'll later. Remind me just yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't, so I haven't spoken to her in two years, uh, but the <laughs> notification's still there. Okay. <laughs> the, the, does she know? The, the I, don't, I have no idea. I, she has, I haven't answered, so I'm not Oh, sure. okay, fair enough, fair enough. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, for the first time, Noah is about to answer a girl after two years. Yes, what will happen? Yeah. Stay tuned to find out. Oh, and it's my number's blocked. <laughs> <laughs> Not, um, my way of going, I do something similar. I write down, like, if I get an idea, especially, like, I had, like, a dream once, and it was, like, really weird, and I woke up, and I was like, okay, I gotta write this down. So I took my phone, and I opened, like, that memo pad, and that's where I write all my notes down. Uh, and I've always wanted to actually get into stand-up, but I haven't gotten around to it yet. And so I just have a list of a bunch of ideas I had for bits. And you can tell at the beginning, I don't remember what they are because it is like four words. I'm like, wait, how did I, why, why was this funny to me? And then I was like, okay, like I learned my lesson and by the end I started writing like sentences. You want to write pages. Yeah, what, what, um, what we're supposed to do is uh, you write down like a whole enough to remember the whole idea. Like you think, um, okay, I want to talk about, uh, uh, so I do, I do a bit about, um, the, about, about um, the frat that I was in. Uh, the frother one. Uh, yeah. I so the the jokes like I do the entire um Greek alphabet, right. and then like I'll stop intermittently and I'll talk about like random frat things specifically. So I'll go like okay Greek alphabet. I could write Greek frat Greek alphabet, and that's like one like that that might be enough. But then I can go frat Greek alphabet alphabet again a delta. I live in a house full of guys and I can never talk about my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can keep going. So that that's enough to remember the idea. And then you get home and you go okay I know that. Then I can go alphabet again a delta. Uh, I live in a house full of guys and I can never talk about my feelings. Uh, epsilon zeta eta theta iota kappa lambda mu nu. C beer pong is not a sport so stop shotgunning palm breezes in the shower. Jared omicron pyro sigma pi epsilon phi pi psi. None of you came to my birthday party and it hurt my feelings a lot. Omega. <laughs> It's like oh, it's it's the added it's the added of like you give yourself enough to work off of, but then the second you get the chance, you fill out the blanks. Yeah, you really gotta focus. And that's that's even helps with memorizing something for a stage routine, even doing stand up. Um, I can say in my own magic show is sometimes when I'm making a script, I'll try to script it to the actual moves I'm doing or to the music. Yeah. Then it's just an extra little reminder. Okay, when this music point hits. That's when I need to save this joke. Yeah. You know? yeah. Or even uh, with you, throughout the routine, you're like, yeah. okay, if I can relate two jokes together, I know right after well, this joke, yeah. this joke comes next. That's a segue right there. And uh, exactly, it's segues. And sometimes that can be hard on the stage. Oh, yeah. Now, I do want to talk about stage and everything a little bit, yeah. but I also want to keep on those short films because it's really interesting, um, sort of the idea of looking back at your films and working on more. Yeah. And I think another really important aspect to that is just the practice. Oh, yeah. Now, I know, you know, when you start doing live stage shows and you start speaking to people, those people will tell you, take every show you can, practice, practice, do, do. Yeah. And that's to get in better habits. Yeah. That's to be more comfortable, even if it's behind a camera, just being more comfortable to try out new shots. Yeah. Uh, but getting in better habits, you know, setting up everything faster. You know, working with you actors and everything oh, yeah. faster oh, yeah. and better collaboration. And that all comes with time and practice. So even if it's a film that for, if you're making short films that, you know, you don't think you're going to send or submit anywhere, no, that, you know, good. you don't love it so much. It's just great to still go out and practice because you're going to learn yeah. something every time. Yeah. And uh, I just want to speak if there's any you know, stories or examples you have of doing something not wrong, but doing something that you could see 
where you could do it better and actually going down the line and doing it better. So this is, uh, is very interesting. I actually just, uh, on, on uh, the YouTube channel that I do with my sketch group right now, we just put out a Dove commercial. Okay. Dove hasn't called yes. me back. They, they won't answer my calls. I've seen that. That was a really great one. I have not seen that. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll, send it, I'll show it to you after. It's, uh, All right. It's called, uh, I think it's um, Dove Men's Experiences. Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, this is, uh, I, we, I pl- released it as officially my director's debut, but about a year and a half ago in a, when I was still at Humber College, I, over the summer, I wrote a, uh, a 20 minute short. I had the script edited and I was pretty happy with it. And then I said, okay, I'll direct this. This will be the first time I'll direct. Paul will be just behind the camera. Actually, Paul, sorry, I lied. This will be the first time I'll direct and Paul will be just on camera. And I had my college roommate, Scotty, as the DP. I love Scotty. He's an amazing person. Uh, but camera work wasn't for him, and we could see that in the actual production. And so uh, I think from day one, Paul knew something was up when Scotty said, I can't figure out the boom mic, we're not going to use it. <laughs> uh, so we went through, uh, we went through uh, several weeks of production, and it was a lot of fun. It was a great experience. But also I came out of that going, uh, your DP, uh, I think it was the last two days when Scotty just didn't show up because uh, he got into a new relationship and he wanted to spend time with her. And it, oh. was, it was fair because he gave us a bit of heads up, but it was also like, you committed so we're a little uh, Scott if you're listening to this which I, you usually listen to everything uh, <laughs> you're the best Scotty's amazing um, but it was see a- you know why Scotty's amazing because he remembers to text girls back oh yeah that's it that's the answer <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's in a relationship and he's very happy and you're stuck in a basement making uh, yeah. podcasts and short films yeah, cool. it's wonderful hey Scotty's Scotty's out there hey I'm not saying it's a bad thing I'm doing thing. the same it's a great <laughs> thing it's a thing yeah Scotty and Caitlin hey hope you're doing well um yeah, no, so uh, it was a great experience going, like, everybody on crew has to be having as much fun and enjoying it and be as committed to it as they can be. Uh, and so I, I went back and I went, yeah, there's, like, a lot of it I can put on, um, it's not it's not a good thing, but, like, a lot of it I can go, like, Scotty did not want to be a cinematographer and that affected the film a lot. Right. But at the same time, uh, the way I directed that film, the way I, uh, like, I think at that point I was still being, like, like, I, the line was, like, go eat a bagel, and I'd be like, okay, now say it, like, go eat a bagel. Mm. That's something you shouldn't do to an actor, which I found out years later is you want to say, like, uh, say, go eat a bagel. Like, give, give me the line. Go eat a bagel. Okay, could you make it so uh, you're feeling really happy? Uh, d- hear me out. The, uh, the bagel that you're going to have them go eat has the wedding ring in it. This is your right. to propose. Come on, go eat the bagel. Eat a bagel. You're, okay, let's say a little bit more coy. What does that mean? Like, a little bit more like, ooh, I'm tricking you. Come on, go eat a bagel. There we go. See? It's I changed how you said it without actually like outright saying yeah. how to do it, and that's that's a big lesson because it's it's up to the actor to figure out how to deliver the line. Right. It's up to the director to kind of get the tone right. And also, I said it weird the first time. So yeah. <laughs> he also cast better ring. actors. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't cast me. Uh, that's actually uh, really interesting. Is the different roles a director would have, and I think even if someone's not in film, this is just something really interesting to know because we're all around film. Right? right? We're all around content. Even if it's something as simple as recording a podcast, it still has to have direction. 100%. Um, so even sitting down with the two of you saying, okay, this is the structure of what we're going to do. Um, these are steps that we can do as like writing down extra little points on a whiteboard. Yeah. That's direction. So I think it would be really interesting uh, just to speak a little bit about the roles of a director and different yeah. things that you have to do on set. So as I'm learning more and more, having not taken any directorial courses, but having done a, a lot of film over the past few years, having done a lot of production of live production, having a lot of film production, uh, the roles of a director is it's a frustrating thing. I think the role of the director should be exclusively what you see on camera. Okay. Uh, in the sense of what you see or what you hear on camera is like, 
I'm in control of it should look like this behind you. You should look like a certain way. You should be acting a certain, sounding a certain way. And it's, uh, it's up to me to control everything we see in here. And that might be the easiest way to say it. It's like a producer should be controlling everything outside the frame. The cinematographer should be capturing the tone that the director asks them to. It's, it's, it's up to the director to take a look at these words on these pages, close their eyes, see it as a movie, and then explain to everyone else how it should look. Right. Based on what they've seen in their head. And it's, it's that. I think it's, it's that in its simplest form is you have to have a clear sense of what you need to be showing. And it's up to everyone else to work together to make that come across. Right. So I have a question for you. Yep. What are your thoughts on The Room? The Room with John Tommy Wiseau? Yeah. It's the same. Uh, I'd rather talk about Star Wars. It's the exact same thing, right? Because it's a uh, 100% control. It was a... That is very true. True. It's uh, a, There's a great podcast called Blank Check where they talk about... Um, I love Griffin Newman now. They talk about uh, films that uh, the directors had 100% creative control. And uh, whether or not they went well or poorly, it always it's, it's a huge thing. But like George Lucas and uh, Tommy Wiseau are both examples of people who... For the Star Wars prequels, for uh, he sold the merchandising rights before the films were even like written. So he wow. had one... I think he had like over $100,000 to make these movies... Uh, prior to any of the script even being done. Same with Tommy Wiseau. He sold like a million dollars worth of jackets or something. And then like, he has like full creative control. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think uh, it, it depends on the person. There's a whole... I have ridiculous theories I like to talk about of like... There's, uh, there's, there's idea people and then there's executors. Right. And like the idea people can come up with a great premise... Uh, and just can't pull it off. Like George Lucas does with Star Wars time and time again, is he's wonderful at creating these amazing stories, he just can't actually execute them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then there's people who can execute but can't uh, think of anything original, which is kind of like, um, I think Aaron Sorkin's above it, but Aaron Sorkin might be a good example of like, all of his films are telling someone else's story, but he tells it so well. Right. And so it's rare to see someone pull off both at the same time, which is what these full-fledged directors are doing, is they're going mm-hmm. like, I'm going to create the idea and I'm going to execute it. And it turns out horribly, 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 or you'll get someone like, um, I think it's George like, Lucas. George, <laughs> same George Lucas twice. Well, yeah. with the nice guys is my example. Cause, uh, who directed that? It was, um, uh, Guy Ritchie, not Guy Ritchie. Oh no, I don't like Guy Ritchie. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I have no idea. It's, uh, Zach, uh, not Black Snyder, um, Shane Black, Shane Black, Shane Black, yes. Shane Black, I always confused. full creative control. It's, uh, it's one of my favorite films of all time. And he writes and he directs, and it, it works amazingly because he just put this entire very clear image on, on a screen, and it looks wonderful. And it's, uh, I think, I think it, it, it's, uh, it's a good question. I forgot the question you asked, but it's... A, it's well, I just, what are your thoughts on the room with time? Oh, okay. Well, so. you right. know what? Even that, you can relate <laughs> back to, to Magic. Yeah. Because right? you have creators and you have performers, That's true. right? Yeah. Uh, and you have people that do both. You have yeah. like, the David Copperfield, who has his own team. It's his vision of how the tricks are going to look, and he's the one performing them. 100%, then you right. have great creators like Jeo uh, Miranda, yeah. um, who come up with amazing tricks that magicians all over the world perform. He's a yeah. great creator, but he doesn't do many performances himself. Yeah. Um, so it, it can be the same in singing, right? You have cover bands who just do covers. And well, you, you have people, yeah. you know, like a rock band, like Kiss, for yeah. example, who write their own music and perform it. Well, yeah. you even have just people writing songs behind the scenes and then sound like, kind of sell it to Katy Perry and she'll yeah. perform it. So it's two completely different things it's oh, not yeah. a bad thing exactly. to 
perform your own work or to create your own work. And it's not a bad thing to sell your own work to someone else or give it to someone else and yeah. be on the, the producer end, behind the scenes end. It's got to be what your strong, what your strengths are. And I think right. like if you're and where strong, does that come from? Where does that, where the strengths come from? Practice and, and doing. That's it. Keep doing. That's, that's how you're going to learn. That's it. That's mm-hmm. true. All about getting off your ass. <laughs> Now, said, uh, yeah, what are the swear words we can say? That's what I forgot to ask. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we'll try to keep it relatively PG-13. Okay, PG-13. PG-13. Okay. Now, you were speaking about the roles of a director and even a producer and cinematographer. Yeah. Now, for anyone out there, um, let's speak more about short films for now, but if yeah. anyone out there ever had an idea of making their own short film, yeah. what would be some of the steps towards even just writing and getting it made? And hiring a crew to do it. Okay, so we can go through. Uh, I'll go through. If, uh, so it's sort of like yeah. two questions. Two yeah. questions. Okay, so let me write this down before I forget. So it's um, it's, uh, writing, and then uh, crew. Okay, uh, st- speaking directly to writing short films. Assuming we're all in a similar position of uh, little to no money, and uh, keep in mind, I'm still a college. I'm a university student. I have uh, several. I've, I've been in several film festivals, so I know like the minimum to speak on this. But uh, if you're in a similar position to where I am right now, the best advice I got was write what you can afford. The, uh, the, the porn short film that I brought up earlier, I said, okay, we have a, a, a dark basement and a bunch of high school friends. So uh, the, the premise is it's a, it's, it's a porn shoot that takes place in a dark basement. And the whole time everyone's going, like, I don't know why he keeps picking low-rising basements. I mean, everyone's head keeps getting hit. <laughs> but it's, it's fine. It's working. Uh, so I think that's the first step in, in, in creating the short films is write what you can afford to do. That's very interesting, right? You don't want to write something that's happening yeah. in a cafe or in a theater if you can't afford to rent out a cafe or theater. But at the same time, if you know a guy who owns a theater who can get you in After Dark, write about the theater. Right. So you want to like, ah, that's a, that's a weird, it's not yeah. a bad thing. No. That's actually exactly what I did with my screamer shows. The shows I was doing in yeah. October. It's okay to write something. It's okay to get something mm-hmm. in the process of being created, even if you don't know the final steps. A hundred percent. Because a lot of the time you don't know how something's going to end up. All you need to do is keep doing, yeah. keep working on those steps. And that's okay. Not knowing, yeah. you know, where I'm going to get the money from to do this. Yeah. As long as you think it's something possible, something that can be done, it's feasible. there's no harm and writing like when I was writing my screamer show I didn't know you know where the budget was going to come from I didn't know if I was going to have enough money to build my props I didn't know if I was going to get it booked out for October if I could even perform it anywhere yeah. but it was something I wanted to do and something I thought was feasible so I went out and I started writing Yeah. and I started going out to the different people I knew that you know could host this show yeah. So it's it's simple as doing it's exactly, you gotta exactly. Do. so don't it's, be scared because no. you don't have a budget for something to write it but use that use that as a motivator. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Use so it I as a creative it. motivator. But that's so, a really yeah. important thing to even starting. If if you do want to get something in front of the camera right away, yeah. that's a great thing to think about. It's the budget you have first. Hundred percent. People like um Nathan Fielder who I adore. But uh, when he came and spoke to us, he showed us a few videos that he never actually got on his YouTube channel, and it's just him walking around the Humber College residence, and it's like you write for. I think the one he showed us was amazing. It's just uh, there's an exit sign in the corner that's pointed directly at the corner of the wall, so it's not really clear at all. And so the video is just like a guy walks up, he looks at the exit sign, and it just, for like a minute and a half, cuts between the exit sign and him, and then it's a full wide, and he walks into the corner. 
That's it. Wait, what? I think that's another great thing to speak yeah. on too, right? That's an important part of the director is you can take any concept and it's the director's job to make it entertaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right? Because anyone can say that idea. Looking at a sign, you don't know where to go. Yeah. But you can make anything, literally anything entertaining. And this exactly. is something we spoke about with Sawyer a couple of weeks back is taking random objects yeah. and creating something out of that. And that's yeah. a great way to fuel creativity. Yeah. It's coming up with a concept that's interesting. And you as the director, it's your job then to make it entertaining and mm-hmm. to flesh it out. The so creator I, and the executor. So it's even like we were talking about before recording this podcast, just a short horror film. The first steps to do, what's the theme of it, you know? What are some things that I would use in it? And I like the idea of, you know, an iPhone being used as a camera, um, like a surveillance camera. I like the idea of the skeleton thing hanging in my room. I like yeah. the shape of that. I think it's... You know, otherworldly. Yeah. So it's finding objects that you have and making something out of that. Putting them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's everything's a collaboration. Now let's speak a little bit about uh, a crew. Crew. Okay. This is uh, this is a, a tough topic. I I'm very blessed to have Paul in my life because Paul is one of the best cinematographers I've ever seen. You, it's it's frustrating uh, talking about ego in a, any sense of like you should never kind of to your own horn, horn. But uh, seeing the Cons- like the consistent amount of great production he puts out, it's tough to not be like Paul's good at what he does. Mm-hmm. So uh, he, uh, I'm very lucky in the sense of I have a videographer, and because of that, he's always uh, continued to make more connections. And like, I'll find people in school that I like to work with. Paul mm-hmm. will find people in school he likes to work with. Paul will find uh, people in companies he likes to work with, and it's it's a network basis. So if uh, you find uh, uh, Emil, Emil yeah. has a friend who d- likes uh, holding a boom mic. So Emil calls his boom mic friend. You have Dylan. You have your brother. Dylan doesn't mind holding a light up for a few hours for you. All of a sudden, you've got two people who are essential to making something look a lot more professional than just a guy with a camera. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think it's it's a matter of um, finding people you like working with who would enjoy just hanging out and uh, maybe not talking for 20 minutes at a time. Yeah, well, you said actually a really good point at the beginning that I don't even know if you realize, but... Um, Having Paul, you know, after a while, you've seen that he's good at his work. Yeah. And it's super important <coughs> finding people you like working with. And that's something that's going to come to with doing for a while. You got to make sure the people you're collaborating with are actually moving you forward to the, the yeah. vision and the steps you want to be. Because yeah. you can have a best friend and they're not passionate. You start seeing after a while, they don't really yeah. care about these films or they're not good at yeah. it. And yeah. you know, it sucks to say, but it doesn't mean they shouldn't be your friend. It just means maybe you shouldn't work on this project with them. Yeah. So that's an important thing to do. You don't ever want to get, you know, clouded. Okay, this person's my friend. I don't want to say no. Yeah. But it's really important to become friends with the people you work with. Even working on my show, The Illusionists, Illusionists, yeah. um, Stu Stone's uh, show on CBC Kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't know anyone in the crew before going, but I became really good friends with the crew and that yeah. made our collaborations better. We could hang out when we weren't shooting and come up with better tricks and great routines. And that's because we were friends. Exactly. And, I so it's really important. Before you went shooting. Yeah. <laughs> so it's really important just becoming friends with the people you work with. Yeah. Um, and getting your friends in on the projects because yeah. you don't know what people are good at. Yeah. Like, 100%. really. That's true. And it's also important to have someone that'll um, like keep you going that won't let you be lazy. And uh, me and Aaron, like, we have moments where we'll be like, okay, we should do something. And we'll have this moment at first where we're like, yeah, we should. And we won't do it. And then one of us will be like, okay, we're doing it. And that's like that moment where we get up and we like basically encourage each other. And it's this whole back and forth, mm-hmm. especially like with this podcast. Like we sat on the idea and then... For over a year, two well, for, years. For, we, had a, we put the Farco YouTube channel up last yeah, year. We, we wanted to do like a YouTube channel and then we were like, okay, let's do like a podcast. And we sat on the idea. And then like one moment came and then Aaron's like, Emil, 
we're starting this podcast. And I was like, I found this great app. We're going to do it. Mm-hmm. And here we are. There it is. That's it. Episode, what, six, seven now? Yeah. Now, I do want to speak a little bit, too, about um, even just starting without knowing anyone. I wanted yeah. you to speak back to your earlier days. Because we've been speaking a lot on, you know, how it's really great to have a collaborator. And that's yeah. going to come with time. Yeah. Um, and actually, before I even get to that point, I do want to say in what you were just saying, Emil, um, about starting and stopping and everything. The hardest part about any project and anything is starting. The yeah. hardest part about working oh, yeah. out is starting. Oh, yeah. But we're doing it because we love doing it. That's yeah. why you're listening to this podcast. It's because you love entertainment. So once you start doing it, you know you're going to be having fun. You're doing something you love doing. The hard part is just starting. If you can just start doing that, you're already, you're already on the way. You're doing. Amelia said a great point two weeks ago right, about your percentage. Sorry? You said if you have a big project... And you don't know when you're going to get it done. Right. If you do 1% of that project oh, right. every day, just 1%. Yeah, so, and it's by the end of 100 In 100 days, days it's done. done. That's a, you know what? That, that's, a, that's like, um, what's his name? Uh, Stephen King writes eight pages a day. Oh, yeah? Whether or not it's good, he writes eight pages a day. And it's just doing. And we're going to speak yeah. about that in every single episode we do because that's the most important thing you can do. Yeah. I think we have spoke about it in every episode. I kind of forgot it's that just I said that. start doing it. <laughs> what? How many days did we? <laughs> It's 12 days in, you forgot. Now, yeah. uh, back onto the point of getting a crew. And yeah. I do want to speak about if you don't have that collaborator off the back. You can start it with your little sister, for example. Yeah. What would you say are good steps towards just Building getting up. people in and just starting? Well, it's, I think today it's a lot easier to do everything than it was a while ago. Uh, I think the Toronto... There's a, there's a, a Facebook page with like several thousand people and called them. I need a producer. I need a producer, director, filmmaker, something like that. Mm-hmm. You post on that page, and so many people in there are willing to do less than paid work because it's it's what they want to do. And the people who are going to come out and just help out on a set for a bit of food and, a, and transportation, those are the people you can make a connection with and will be happy to continue to work with you. That's actually like my favorite, like my favorite kind of people to work with are people that are doing it because they love it. Um, and I'm a big pusher for um, do what's going to make you happy instead of working that dead-end office job that pays 120k a year you get your benefits but you hate it yeah every day and you're like you're waking up like why am i going to this job oh yeah benefits in 120k a year or take the 50k a year job but you love it you're gonna do it because you want to do it yeah and you'll find a way and you'll make it work. that's that's the thing I'm a, I'm a huge believer in people making it work when they have to yeah mm-hmm. and not being entitled to stuff like if i know i'm not gonna be able to make rent for a month I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to find an extra way to make some, yeah. an extra buck so I can go through, but so I can do what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I'm a huge pusher for that. And I talked to like, some people recently. I was even talking to a rabbi about it, and he was like, not... Rabbi Jaffet? Yeah. <laughs> he, he was like, but what if you need to pay for stuff? And I was like, what if you're miserable? Yeah, no, it's... I, I, um, speaking of that, I think filmmakers especially, it's not the choice between like the 100K and the 50K. I think it's a choice between... Uh, you have a job that maybe gets you 50K. Or you right. live in your parents' basement for 30 years, and then you make it big. This thing with entertainment, the sky's the limit in yeah. anything. In yeah. any single type of entertainment you're doing, if you're creating, mm-hmm. the sky's the limit. You yeah, do not 100%. know where that can take you. Each and every one of us listening has the potential to be a millionaire yeah. doing what they love. And that all comes down to how much work you put in. Exactly. Right. It puts into the effort and the passion you put forward. It puts into doing the extra work that you yeah. don't have to do. Extra. Because you love... Extra. I'm my grammar extra? coach Emil over here. Uh, and um, it's, it's, Aaron likes to say extra. Extra, extra. 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 Read all about it. Extra, extra, extra work you put in. 
Um, but it's an, another quote. Um, I don't even know if I came up with this quote or not, but I've been saying it so long. It's you work for the day. You don't work for the weekend. So yeah. many people don't have their jobs. And I see on Snapchat and Instagram, all my friends posting, you know, it's the weekend. You can go out and party. But why can't every day be like that? Why would you want to live a life where five days out of the week you're working yeah. and you're not happy to have two yeah. days of happiness yeah. when every single day should be happiness you're looking forward to what comes the next day yeah. and that's because it's your creation you're working on something you love you're not working for someone else yeah one of my uh, favorite um i guess social media influencers would be but he's also an entrepreneur gary vaynerchuk yes uh he has a thing he says where uh, i hate mondays but no no sorry he says i hate people that live for Friday and then say they hate Mondays. Mm -hmm. He's like, why would you hate Monday? He's like, you can, like, if you're working just to make it to the weekend and then you're working again because you hate it, like, like again, to my previous yeah. point, he's like, you're doing something wrong. He's like, Monday should be just as good as Friday and Saturday for you. Yeah. Uh, and that's a huge thing that, that's like something I'm aiming for in the future. Because uh, I, I want to be able to be like, you know what, it's a Monday. Let's, like, it, I'm not going to hate this. Like, I'm going to do it. Yeah. Uh, but though I do understand why people hate Monday, especially as a student. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like oh, it's yeah, a student, thing. Student student life is different. Yeah. yeah. It's a, it's a thing. Student is different. Yeah. Uh, but it's something I'm trying to work on, and someday I'm gonna love Mondays. Just it's you gonna, wait. It's gonna happen. It's it will happen. It's gonna you're gonna get there. Yeah. You're gonna wake up one day and you're gonna tear down that Garfield poster. Exactly. And this is another thing. Um, you can even say people work towards vacation, <laughs> right? You work all year so you can go away for yeah. a week or two right. weeks. But, you know, with entertainment or even in school, literally in anything you're doing, yeah. you can be anywhere you want to be in the world. Exactly. You can find a job anywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, if I, let's say I wanted to go and travel doing magic, since I'm doing something where I have a show, entertainment yeah. is universal. So it's easier. Stand up, too. You can go and do stand up anywhere in the world. You can do it anywhere. You can do it anytime. You can tell a joke and then tell a joke that, that night. It's, so, yeah. in your mind, if you're right now, you're working on a show, you're doing a show, you're touring with that show, you can bring that show anywhere. The mm -hmm. sky is your limit. Mm -hmm. And you, you got to to know your audience. And that comes with time oh, yeah. saying, you know, once you, let's say as a magician, I'm going to give myself an example. Yeah. Working so many gigs in Toronto, I work for so many different, you know, kinds of religious events. Yeah, you know, right. I went Indian weddings, I done Muslim weddings, I did like, religious Jewish weddings. I done like every type of religious event and every type of crowd. And that's because I've done so much that I can judge wherever I'm traveling to how I should make my show. Because, yeah. you know, every culture is different. But once you do for so long... It's just come second nature. Yeah. You know where you're going. You know the type of crowd and you know what to perform. And uh, you can do it anywhere in the world. So that relates right back to doing. 100%. 100%. It's got to start. That's it. I actually have a question about comedy. That's me. Yeah, that's you. Uh, <laughs> no, but um, like some people, some people I've heard um, are like better at scripting, but like aren't as funny like on the spot like in person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so how are ways like, I guess... It's not always like that transportation aspect you're talking about. We can do it anywhere, like that mobility. Yeah. Um, so what are your thoughts on kind of people like that? Like what can they do to kind of... Improve? Physical versus verbal comedy. Yeah. Yeah, written versus verbal. Yes, written, written versus, versus verbal. verbal. Well, that's an interesting... Uh, that's an interesting... A very interesting question. Or even possible. using your body physically, like a Charlie Chaplin or like in a mind type Charlie of way. Well, even... Uh, yeah. Is you know, like I watch you on stage and you're different. You act different and you move your body different than right. you would speaking to me. You play yeah. an awkward character. So you're, you know, <laughs> you're doing awkward things. I'm happy you think I'm playing a character. Uh, <laughs> no, but it is heightened. <laughs> it's, it's very, it's very yes. heightened. Uh, that's... Well, uh, so... Um, Specifically, like, interviews is, uh, is a very interesting way of looking at it. Because, like, 
uh, we did a few exercises at Humber where we'd actually like write uh, stand up, and then he'd put us on stage with a fake interviewer, and he'd go, "Okay, now tell that stand up joke like it's a story," and it's it's pretty it's pretty interesting seeing like there's people who can write some really funny material and they just can't seem to do it as stand up, but the second they do it conversationally, it works really well, or alternately. Mm. So it's uh, I think it's um, it's the mindset you have to get yourself into of like. Either you're really good at presenting to an audience or right. you're really good at talking to someone. And it's, it's that that'll get you out there. But specifically in the sense of like there's writers versus there's performers, 100%. There's people who are very strong. Uh, in like I think, uh, for example, uh, I'm not a big fan of Archer anymore, but when Archer was first coming out, it was one writer, and it still is. It's one writer who sat in a room, he wrote the entire script, sent it out for punch-ups. But he was very good at like just being by himself in the room, getting it out, and it's funny, and he doesn't need to bounce it off people. Right. Uh, versus uh, a writer's room of like um, New Girl where they had like 15, 20 people and they spent hours on every line. And it's just, it's... Or like an SNL with like a writer's room of 20. Writer's room of 20 where you pitch and like, I think I'm watching YouTube clips right now of shows that, of sketches that didn't make it on because of time. Like they were written, they were performed. I think um, like I had Robin Duke as a professor last year and she would talk about like how uh, she'd turn in a script to SNL and the uh, the showrunner would go, no, this isn't funny. And she would go, no, 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 no. It's not about the words. It's about the presentation. And so it's, um, it's, there's, there's a clear line between the written and the, uh, the performance in the sense of, uh, what's it? Oh, I have so many, everything I just Well, it, it even goes right back to what we were saying before. Yeah. How some people can write and some people can perform it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's back to that corner thing you're saying. Like, how is, you know, it's looking at an exit sign in the corner interesting, but it's how you perform it. 100%. It's the same reason why, you know, a mouth coil, which is a magician pulling paper out of his mouth, or an egg bag, a magician making an egg disappear and appear in a bag. Yeah. Or, you know, a coloring book, where the coloring book pages change colors. Like, those tricks have been done, and they are done by hundreds of performers around the oh, world. Yeah, that was But they're all performed different. Yeah. It's, you can take something, and it's how you perform it. So that could make all the difference in the world. Yeah. And that is, you know, being a skilled performer, and that's different than writing. So yeah. everything is different disciplines. 100%. Well, yeah, my favorite, one of my favorite uh, written verses, this brought me to a thought. Uh, one of my favorite stories that was, like, uh, the, there's a joke that goes, um, a fly goes into a doctor's office, and the doctor goes, like, what's wrong? And the fly goes, oh, my leg's broken, and my wife's, uh, my wife's left me, and I'm really sad all the time. And the doctor goes, well, I'm an optometrist, I can't help you. And he's like, oh, I know. And the doctor's like, then why'd you come in here? And the fly says, well, the light was on. Uh-huh. <laughs> and uh, Norm MacDonald tells that joke for six minutes, and it's one of the funniest jokes I've ever heard. Because it's just Norm MacDonald's presentation of, yeah, and then the, the fly goes into the office, right? Uh, and, uh... Well, he sits there, and it's just, it, it works. It works really well for a joke that's like, you're done. Yeah, like, for me, I can't imagine that joke being an entire six minutes. Oh, watch, look it up. That's look why, up, you yeah. know, Eddie Murphy was 100%. so successful. Yes. Was. He was a performer. Was. Was. A per- was. <laughs> yes, actually, we can't say was right now. <laughs> Have you seen um, it? You know, it was like two big specials. Oh, was really? No, look, look, up, look up, like, Delirious and the one after Delirious. Uh, if you... The, the first track, find them all. The, the name of the first track on those two specials is worth, is worth finding out. I can't, it's this word I can't say. Oh, okay. Well, I see what you're getting at. Yeah. <laughs> pretty, pretty interesting. Um, what were you saying? <laughs> oh, you just talking about uh, different types of comedy. Yeah. Um, actually, we can even speak more into different types of comedy because there are different types of comedy. You can be right. a character. You know, you can 
go and tell jokes. Like, for example, I came to see one of your comedy shows, and you yeah. had one of the acts in your show where these two brothers or two cousins... Very interesting uh, question they, to ask. Uh, would basically go out and say, hey, this is how we're going to teach you to pick up girls. It's a wonderful and, like, seminar. You know, if anyone else read their script, it wouldn't be funny because it's, it's just normal lines. It's not really yeah. jokes. No, but it's, it's in how you perform it, right? It's their characters are so funny. Right. And, you know, there's such, you know, nerdy guys trying to act all tough that everything they say is so funny. So it's it's different types of comedy. It's more character, I yeah. guess you can say. Well, they're very, uh, just before I forget, uh, this is going to air before after it's done. But on this Saturday, they're actually putting out in, in three days. They're doing that, those characters for a full hour. That's great. Oh, wow. So they're doing. It's gonna be. Wait, this is on where? At uh, the comedy bar on Saturday, uh, or sorry, on Sunday night at like seven p.m. or something. Okay. Uh, Derby Cousin puts out a show once a month, and it's uh, this is their like end of year. We've been working these characters for a full year. Right. Here's one hour straight of uh, Chet Larson and his partner Chip as they give you a seminar on how to pick up girls and fix your body. It's <laughs> gonna be amazing. Wait, so I've never seen it. Is the premise like these guys are like they walk out? They walk out like big buff guys, okay. and they're just like. Hi, I'm Chet Larson. This is my friend Chip, and uh, we're gonna teach you. Uh, I'm, I'm a girl getter. I'm a girl getter and a body enthusiast. Uh, <laughs> and they just give you like five steps on how to get girls, and then they'll like point to you and go, "What's your question?" And then they'll improvise an answer to your question. And it's, oh, okay. It's wonderful. Well, just... That's like my favorite kind of stuff is um, that back and forth, like with an audience, where you have yeah. like you just go up to a random per- random person, they don't expect it. Yeah. And then you like go back and forth with them and just like when it's when it works when it's yeah. funny it's like like it's the it's, best it's cool. thing to watch in my opinion well it's a, yeah like on, on my show that you guys saw on past your bedtime uh didn't uh my like our cousin answer her phone in the middle of the set and yes they, they like they made her like take the phone they made her like put it on speed they they took her phone or something right yeah so one of her friends was calling They're like is she a girl she's single <laughs> <laughs> can you tell her that Chet likes her Chet's single too <laughs> So they were just making a joke of that. And, and uh, improv comedy is great. And here's another yeah. thing about improv comedy yeah. is you can have a bunch of pre-prepared lines. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I know in a show, you know, someone walks in late. You'd be, oh, oh, you were late. You must have been so busy. Do you need anything? Can I get you like a coffee or, you know, a watch or anything? Yeah. And, you know, you can have pre-prepared jokes that uh, yeah. seem improv. And that, it makes the show seem special to the audience. Yeah, well, it makes it seem like they're the only ones that are seeing this show. That's a parent's And that's a really important part of having a great show. Yeah. And uh, I think about that when I'm writing my show. And I talked about this before. I call it structured improv. It's knowing the points I need to get to, but yeah. you leave room for improv in the middle. Well, those are beats. So, yeah. So, you have the... Exactly. That's so what we do with our live shows. We'll come up with the beats for it. Then, just between it's Beck and I just kind of getting mad at each other on stage in front of you as we jump between the beats. Uh, but the way, best way I've heard it phrased was Larry Horowitz calling it apparent spontaneity of you make it sound like it's completely come up with on the spot. Like that's, what, that's how stand-ups do so well is, uh, yeah, they'll have their jokes they do, but also like they'll stop and they'll go, oh, and then this thought, and you'll go, what, did he just think of that thought? Right. And it's, that's, it's, it's, it's little things like that, that like what you're doing with the show is you make it look like it's completely new and special. And if you can pull, if you can capture that, then you've, you've captured something amazing. hundred percent. And it's the same as watching an actor at a movie, yep. right? You yeah. can watch an actor deliver a monologue and it's all about, you know, how they perform the monologue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. And it looks like, you know, a real conversation they're having. It looks like a real thought from their head and that's because they're an actor and, you know, comedians and I think in every single type of entertainment, we're yeah. all sort of mini actors, whether or not it's acting with our face right? yeah, or right. emoting emotion through our smile or our body posture and that is acting. Emoting emotion. 
Emoting emotions. Emoting, emoting emotions. Yeah, sounds, emoting emotions. That's not, that could be like a tongue twister somehow. Outputting emotions. Emoting emotions emotionally. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Say that three times fast. Emoting tongue emotions twisters emotionally. with Noah Farberman. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, there's like this weird um dynamic, in my opinion, and I've heard this talk, like other comedians talk about it. They like have different opinions. Um, where you're on stage and where you're like above them. Like, am I ranked higher than my sp- my audience because this is my show, for example. Um, and I think I saw this, it was like a special on HBO's, um, Ricky Gervais, Jerry Seinfeld, Louis C.K., and I believe Chris Rock. Ooh. Yeah, it's called, it's called Talking Funny. Mm-hmm. And they were all talking about it. And Jerry Seinfeld, like, um, can't remember who, who said what. Um, some of them were like, oh, we're not about, like, we're trying to be relatable. And, like, I think it was Jerry Seinfeld who was, like... Jerry Seinfeld would say relatable. Ricky Gervais would say he's above him. No, I think it was the opposite, really? actually. I believe so. I might yeah, be wrong. Yeah, Ricky Gervais has the, the cocky type but, of humor. But Jerry yeah. Seinfeld was like, you're literally standing above them. Yeah. Like, that's the dynamic. He's and then 50 years of... And so that's a thing that I've kind of... I've not been struggling with it, but I've been going back and not forth. Not to feel that. No, I think yeah. that's not... It's not a bad feeling. I think it depends on your character on stage. 100%. I would see... We, Ricky Gervais comes across as he's better than everyone. He knows more than everyone. If he starts to go, I'm the same as you, then his cocky, I know everything attitude would fall through the then cracks. Then it just seems rude when he says, you know, a joke next time. Yeah, you exactly. You have to be consistent with your character. 100%. So I think you, you don't sh- seem yeah. authentic. If you're, if you're a, the kind of person who goes, I'm good at this and I want people to know that I'm good at this, then for sure say, i am been working harder than you. I'm at this place that you aren't. Don't outright say that, but like right. go with that mindset. Yeah. But if you're, if you're just starting off and you want to like connect more and you want to relate more... It's, I think it's the difference between one-liner comedians like um, uh, Mitch Hedberg versus Jerry Seinfeld. Where, uh, not Jerry Seinfeld, versus um, like John Mulaney. Where Mitch yes. Hedberg will go like, I was at a bean store and I bought a bunch of beans. And it's just, I can do a better Mitch Hedberg. We'll get to it. <laughs> uh, John Mulaney, where John Mulaney will tell you a story about going to a party in high school and blacking out. And you're like, he's a weird white guy who's yeah. technically not a white guy. It's a whole thing, but it's just like... He, you can relate to him because he comes across so much more young and innocent. Mitch Hedberg goes up there, and it's like he's on a spiritual journey, and you just get to watch it happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, even uh, in like my show, for example, Emil, um, you know, if my character is super fun and happy and loving. Like yeah. I say the word love probably eighty times in my show. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And if I went on stage with the attitude in my mind that I'm better than you guys, yeah. And what do you I mean, went, you guys? Like if I went in the mind, I went on stage, and I, you can tell that. I'm just going to do my things. I don't care about the audience. Mm. I'm not paying attention to the audience. They're secondary no. for me. I'm performing in front of a mirror. That's going to show and that does not look good on my character. Yeah. Because my character is so loving. Yeah, right. That I need to interact with the audience or it will not seem natural. Why no. is this person on stage saying I love you to the audience so much but not acknowledging the audience? That's it. But then, you know, you can have a comedian that's, you know, I'm God. And they're thinking that, and that's hilarious. It's, it's their great. character. It's great. You know, and it's the same thing we speak about, you know, like Russell Brand. Love Why him. can this guy get away with going on camera on interviews and grabbing women? He can do that still? He does. And he still does, And yeah. he is, like, super sexual and everything, but it's because it's his character it's and it's his consistent character. It's Russell Brand. Well, they I don't think it's his character. It's, that's just him. That's just him. But yeah. it's still, by character, I mean it's the image you put out into the world. Right, that's his brand. It's exactly, it's Brand's it's brand. It's Russell Brand's yeah. brand. It's the Russell Brand. It's the Russell Brand. It's the Russell but brand. if you put out something, they know it's your character, and they yeah. know it's not you... You know, as a person, I don't take it personally. It's the yeah. same reason why I can go on stage and say, hey, I have a, a five-inch nail here, right? Wrong. It's a seven-inch nail. <laughs> Your boyfriend must lie to you. Yeah. And yeah. I can make fun of, you know, a guy 
to his girlfriend in front of his face, but he won't jump up on stage and punch me. No, because you're because in a show. Yeah. it's a part of a show. Yeah, right. So it all depends on the, the character context. and the context it's in. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. That's also the setup. And the setup, yeah. yeah. So it's yeah. based on the context, what's surrounding yeah. the joke, the situation. And what's happening? I think it's because all the guys you've chosen have nine inches, and they're just they're just too proud. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're like you're, seven. <laughs> you're not worth their time. <laughs> now uh, let's talk a little bit about the monthly shows you do every month because you bring time. in guests. So if yeah. you want to speak a little bit about the structure, even how you got into that, and then uh, I do also think it's really interesting for comedians out there who who want to get on a stage on yeah. an open mic, how they could go about doing that. There's a, so, okay, we'll talk about Past Your Bedtime. Uh, that's my monthly show at the Comedy Bar. We just got renewed for six months, which is pretty Amazing. cool. Amazing. That's dope. I'm very happy Muscle with tough. that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Shabbat shalom. It's not a Friday. It's not a Friday. It's not a Friday. We're a day away. <laughs> um, no, uh, Past Your Bedtime is a monthly show where my pro- comedy partner, Beck, and I, uh, the point of the show was we want to see our favorite comedians perform. So we got, like, uh, we rented out the Comedy Bar space where you just have to email the owner. Gary's wonderful. You email Gary and you say, hey, what spots do you have available? He'll give you a spot and a time. Uh, we love Mondays, so we went on a Monday. And uh, the first show was in the bigger theater there, and we didn't sell too many tickets, and it didn't go very well because the theme was very sad, and we didn't realize till after. Uh, but we got a chance to watch our favorite comedians, uh, Parker and Seville, and it was a wonderful experience. We, I think we actually get to be in one of their sketches, which was so cool. And, uh, and then we found our... Uh, we, we, after that show, we found our space across the hall in the, uh, the cabaret space. And from then on, it's been like... I think we just finished our six-month show of Becca and I will go on stage with a theme. Um, like last last time, we, the theme was uh, holidays versus drinking, where okay. Becca wanted to uh, do a holiday theme show, and I just wanted to drink a bunch. Okay. Uh, and so the show turned into I would come on stage, drink too much, while Becca tried to tell a joke, and then I'd get loud and tell a story. And it went. Uh, it was an interesting one. Uh, not as strong as our as uh, some of the other themes, but it's like uh, we do that. So we'll come up with our theme. We'll have uh, four acts on. Usually, uh, we prefer stand uh, sketches, but uh, we'll do stand ups or sketches. And then um, we every month we put out a brand new video. Paul helps us uh, produce a video. That's and, cool. So it's a lot of fun. So it's um it's it's a it's a wicked live show. It's it's a, a great experience. Like we we call it variety. I think is what we use. So um, how do you get like what? Where do you get like your inspiration for things? Like I know most people say I get my inspiration from everywhere when I'm walking down the street. There's but a, like, <laughs> what's your like? Like, do you have like a specific kind of like? What's that aha moment when you see something and then you're like, I want to do something about this or on this topic or on this theme? That's a good question. Or do you get a lot of uh, inspiration from the people you work with? This you is, say yeah. you uh, you bring a lot of the comedians in that you admire. Yeah. So, do you get any inspiration or ideas from watching comedians every month that there's you a, actually like? There's a sketch that I, I do that like I watched one sketch and I like the format like the uh, like the the order they did it and it was like um like four people come forward and give their thoughts and okay. I thought I could do this different I could do this pretty well and so like there's a there's a bit of that there's a bit of like uh, learning new styles and new um formats from watching other comedians and I think that's very important but also I think it's important to uh to live your life. That's like the big one. I think you guys know this. Go out and live your life. Yeah. And it'll it'll happen naturally. Inspiration good time comes from the things you see and do. Yeah. And the person you become, right? Right. And the situations you get into. And if you go and you watch a comedy show, a lot of comedy is stories. Yeah. Even if it's, you know, a hyperbolized story or a false story, that story still came from something that happened in real life. Yeah. You know, you're not gonna just think of an idea never seen that before. You know, you're not gonna think of 
putting an exit sign in a corner unless you you out and you pass a lot of exit signs. You're like, hey, what if that was confusing? I don't know yeah. why, but when you said telling a story, the first story that came to my mind in terms of stand-up was Bill Burr talking about reasons to hit a girl. I not, just watched that. Right? I just like, watched that. Not to do it. There's a lot of reasons you could come up with. Like, no, it was, they give the jokes like... um. You should never hit a woman, but the fact that you say there's never a reason, yeah, there's a reason to do everything, yeah. yeah so. so I don't know why that was the first thought that came to my head after that, but uh, it's a memorable story. Oh yeah, that was well, a funny one. But Bill Burr is a memorable comedian. Exactly, it's hard to forget him. <laughs> oh yeah. Um, well, speaking of uh, the open mics and the show you do every month, um, you already said a few benefits of actually doing an open mic is yep. testing out these comedy styles. Well, that's each it. month you get to try out a new theme. So I was wondering what other benefits of open mics open that you mic, say so are out there. Why you would suggest someone going out and doing a, a comedy show like an open mic? Okay, an open mic, there's this, uh, my, uh, the community, the Facebook community for stand-ups is very fun because they'll just post really silly questions. Like uh, someone on the street uh, keeps asking, every time I say I'm a comedian, someone will say, tell me a joke right away. How do you respond to that? And there's a fun list. Uh, the question I think I saw a bit ago was... Um, every time you talk about being a comedian, everyone you talk to says, oh, I think I can do stand-up. Uh, and uh, the, the response to that is, go do that then. Go do stand-up. Yeah. If you think you can do stand-up, stop saying, I think I can do stand-up. Get out. There's an open mic. I can tell you five, minimum five open mics every single night of the week. Really? There is a minimum. I just did a research paper on this. There's a minimum of five stand-up comedy open mics every night of the week. Most of them do at least, I think, 12 people. Uh, there's a bunch of them that are like, go show up, go up, no bumps. Oh. I know. Uh, what day is it? It's... Thursday, uh, Tuesday and Saturday, the Comedy Bar has a bucket open mic that's a lot of fun. Uh, Sunday night at the Social Capital, they do like 30 comics. Right, wow. So it's... So uh, anyone out there who's interested in open mics or even being part yeah, of Noah's fun, show, yeah. we'll say our social media is at the end, <laughs> but uh, they can contact Noah on social media for, uh, and you can even help these people out, just give them a list of the different places they yeah. can go to. If you try to get into the Toronto Stand Up Community Facebook page too, there's an actual map. And uh, oh, wow. is that what it's called, the Toronto Stand Up? It's a uh, TSOC, Toronto Stand Up Community. Yeah, so check that out on Facebook T-Suck. for sure. Yeah, TSOC. TSOC, yeah. So it's Toronto it's, sucks. Toronto, uh, I didn't say it. You <laughs> said it. Yeah, I said uh, it, not you. Yeah, it wasn't me. Nope. Toronto, Toronto's fine, dude. Yeah, sure. Don't kick me out. <laughs> Yes. No promises. That's awesome. Now, uh, yeah, it was great. We learned a ton just speaking about comedy and different yeah. types and you know, how to get into comedy, how to make short films, how to have a team around you, how to get started, and yeah. most importantly, just keep doing. Now, Emil, were there any uh, big takeaways you got from this week? Yeah, I actually uh, know what you said. Uh, do what you can afford to do. Write what you yeah. can afford to do. Yeah. Because, like, yeah, it's good to aim high. It's good to have that ambition and that drive. Yeah. But if you can't do it, don't force it. No. Allow it, allow it to be, be patient and get to a point where you will be able to do it and you'll be able to do it more naturally. Yeah. That's my takeaway, basically, from that. Mm-hmm. 100%. Uh, well, you yeah. know, uh, your takeaway? Um, okay, uh, two, two notes. Uh, I've listened to a few podcasts lately where people forget to address the fact that uh, I, I know nothing. Have I said that? Uh, I, I want you guys to know that I know nothing, uh, and I know that I know nothing. I'm a, col- I'm a college graduate with a diploma in comedy. I am currently studying English at a university, and I've been to maybe, I think I've been to one film festival, and I've been in, like, no more than four. Uh, take what I'm saying with as much, uh, with as much heart. Uh, don't, don't call me and say, Noah, you, you're an idiot. Uh, I know that, please. I know that. That's what I'm saying. Um, I've had a bit of experience, but I just wanted to address that. But one of the, the things I say when 
you're looking to get advice from someone. I say take advice from people that have already done it. Yeah. So I think for anyone out there who wants to get into short films, you gave I, yeah. a perfect starting ground. To get into Thank film you. festivals, perfect. And Thank even you. just to get into comedy and start. It's, I think start. it's perfect it's, because it's, that's yeah. exactly what well, you that, do. That's where you I am. You do what a lot I've of people started. dream yeah. of doing. Exactly. Wait, so yeah. how, wait, sorry, uh, I to... Just, uh, interrupt. But, uh, what was? How did you get into the film festival? Like, how did you put something there? Just send an email uh, or? No. So the way actually this um, filmfreeway.com 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 for any aspiring filmmakers. Yeah, make a film, put it on Film Freeway. There's actually uh, you can do this little thing on the right where it lets you pick like open or closed festivals, submission days, and all that. And there's a little bar, my favorite bar, where you can take how much you're willing to pay. And you can slide it down to zero. Okay. And there's a lot of film festivals that don't charge anything. Okay. That's a really good That's point. a good thing, yeah. That's useful to know. Yeah, maybe yeah. I think uh, my biggest takeaway for this is uh, just, honestly, collaborators are so important and it's so great to have a great team around you. Don't be afraid to ask people to do a project with you. Don't be afraid to ask another creator, hey, I have an idea. What do you think of this? Right. Let's work on this. It's always great to try things, to do things, and to work with other people. Even if you don't end up doing a project with someone, just the idea and the process of collaborating and talking about an idea will make it even easier to do with someone else next time. So that's my big breakaway point is yeah. just keep on doing. Keep do on do doing. doing. I, yeah. Awesome. This has been another episode of the Entertainers Podcast. Wait, is it too late? Is I have one question. Okay, yeah. Shoot, it's too late, Noah. It's too late. No, no, no. No. Tune in in well, one year when we have you back. It's, <laughs> uh, I gotta wait a year. Uh, no, my thing. I, my favorite. My favorite thing about podcasts is hey, you can't see anything, and I love messing with that. Can I see a magic trick right now? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, we totally could. Here, uh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I'll, I want to. I'll, I'll loudly react. All right. Uh, you know what, uh, Noah? I need you to do me a favor. Yeah. Uh, I need you to hold on. I'll open your hand. Oh, just my flat. Yep. Um, put my phone in that hand. And take phone? your other hand and make a sandwich, kind of. Sandwich on the phone. Okay, and now imagine that we're on... There's a table here. Kay. Imagine on this table we had an invisible deck of cards. Do you see it? No, but yes. Okay, good. Uh, okay, if you had the option... <laughs> yes. Would you remove the red cards or the black cards? Red cards. Red cards. Okay, I'm going to open this invisible deck. I'm going to remove all the red cards and I'm going to separate them into hearts and diamonds. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to toss one pile onto our table. Hearts or diamonds? You threw the diamonds onto the table. Diamonds on the table and are gone. Yeah. Okay, that leaves me with the hearts. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to separate them into number cards and picture cards. Yeah. The numbers consist of ace to ten. Ace to ten. Okay, and the pictures are Jack, Queen, and King, obviously. Okay. Okay, I have them two hands. Yep. I magically toss one pile in the air. Which one? You threw the uh, the faces in the air. The, okay, so the picture cards. Yep. Are you sure? Yeah. Positive? Yeah. Okay, I magically toss the pictures in the air and they rise. I have the Jack, the Queen, and the King of Hearts, right? Jack, Queen, King. Yep. You got that? Yep. Jack, Queen, King. Jack, Queen, Queen. You got it? Jack, Queen, Are King. Are you sure you got it? Jack, Queen, King. All right, Jack, Queen, King. Good. Jack, Queen, King. I take two of them. Yep. Which two did I take? You took the Jack and the King. Jack and the King. Are you sure? Yep. You want to take the Queen or something? No, you want to change your mind? No, no, I like Jack and the King. But you could change your mind. I, I could. You could. Okay, but that leaves with the Queen, right? Queen in the air. Okay, the Queen's in the air. I'm actually going to toss the Queen into the phone that you're holding. I felt it move, okay. You felt it move. That's good. Yeah. See, it worked. Uh, can you open your hand and just kind of Flip the phone over. Uh, what's on the back of the phone? Oh, my God. Uh, can you just tell people? <laughs> it's the Queen of Hearts. Okay. <laughs> you know what's weird is I messed up. I was thinking about the King of Hearts the whole way through, and I, I chose the wrong thing at the end, and it's still the Queen of Hearts. You could have changed your mind, though. Yeah, I could have changed my mind. Just for everyone, knowing Noah's currently holding his mouth with his jaw dropped. <laughs> <laughs> now, no, I have a question for you. We're going to finish this up in a minute. I'll give you 20 seconds to think about it. Okay. We're going to leave everyone here. With one last joke. Now, we didn't ask you for a joke, so give you a couple seconds to think about it. This is going to be what everyone's going to remember you by, Noah. Okay, let me so, tell this one, see if it works, then I have another one in the, in the can. Okay, perfect. I have, I have one that I was thinking about. 
So when you're thinking of, of what you're going to say, I, I heard this story about you and actually tell it to people because I think it's so interesting. And I don't know if this is true and I don't know if you told this to me or Dylan told this to me. But for some reason in my head, I always remembered you in university when you started and you're practicing your comedy, having a speaker and a mic you there and, you would, and you would go into the hall <laughs> and you would actually practice your stand up. So I always said to everyone, I'm like, that is such an interesting idea because if you're in a hall and you're in a dorm, and you're on a weekend and you're just practicing stand-up to people who walk by. Yeah. You're going to get people who are in rushes, who want to hear something quick. So you're going to get someone who's going to say, that's yeah. awesome. Let me stand here for a minute and you can tell a full joke. You'll get people who are drunk. You'll get people who are sober. You'll get so many different types of people. So yeah. I always thought that was a really interesting way to work on and practice new material. That was a lot of fun. You don't need to be in an open mic to go out and practice and, do and, and to do material. Yeah. If you're a magician, just go out on the street and do magic to someone. Yeah. If you're yeah. a comedian, just start telling jokes. That's it. And that's the easiest way to test your material. You don't need to be on a stage. Yeah. And I thought that was a really interesting story, just that you had a mic and a speaker in the hall of a dorm and you were just doing stand-up. Yes, yeah, so, so to clarify, it was, a, it was a speaker, it was a microphone, it was an amp. It was a, so it was an amp and a microphone. We propped open the door to my dorm room. And uh, every few days when we'd get bored on a Friday, I'd just like do bits and tell jokes to my roommate and his girlfriend. And uh, people would walk by and it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, that's huh. awesome. It was, also, it was the days when the, we opened a secret bar in our dorm room. Okay. Where genuinely, uh, one day my roommate's like, we're going to open a bar. And I said, hell yeah, we're opening a bar. Was it called Puzzles? I, w I think it might have. No, I wish. It was, uh, <laughs> I think it was like, uh, we didn't, I wish we didn't give it a name. Uh, we, we like laminated uh, menus. We ordered a whole bunch of drinks. <laughs> we bought oh, chairs. We took our We took our neighbor's table and we stacked it on top of us. So we, we did two tables long and then we flipped our chairs over and we put the tables on the chairs. So it was about like. Really, it was like a bar level height, and we'd put it tight so they, like, there was like the tables, and then the sink was right behind it. And we'd walk behind the tables in the sink, and we'd serve people drinks, and we'd charge them like I think it was two dollars per uh, per drink or two dollars per shot, which means for every bottle we make back the profit, which is it's all illegal. Don't co don't arrest me. It's the cheapest bar ever, though. It was, uh, yeah, it was all because it was like we didn't have to pay for rent, we didn't have to yeah. pay for it. So that's cool. also actually interesting. You weren't even doing it for this reason, but I think it's a, a really cool idea just having some friends over, yeah. having some drinks and you know, playing a board game or throw a movie on. You're never too old to you know, no. play some games with your friends. Yeah. That's it's a great way to test out new things too. Hey, you guys yeah. want to come over, have some drinks, and uh, we'll do some comedy for you. Yeah. yeah. That's uh, just a fun way to do it. Now, that's Noah. Amazing. Joke? Do you have any okay. awesome jokes for us to end our podcast okay. today? Yeah, I got two of them. Okay, so this one, I'm not... I, I found it in my notebook the other day, and I'm not sure if this is mine or, or what it is, but... uh. <laughs> I, I, we, perform, we performed it. Yeah, we performed it a while ago. It was um, this is uh, this quick story of like uh, a guy, a guy, uh, his his wife is sick, and he goes to the doctor, and the doctor's like, okay, yeah, got some bad news. Uh, your wife only has three months left to live, and the guy goes, ah, jeez. Hey, doc, uh, is there any way you can make it two? <laughs> <laughs> I like that, and then uh, the okay, this is the joke that I would end every set off with uh, in uh, in standard for my whole first year. It's um. It's uh, it's been a while. It's um, it's important to have dreams. I think I think that's the one. It's important to have dreams. Oh yeah, no, no I remember this. It's important to have dreams. Uh, and so uh, when I grow up, uh, my my biggest dream is to uh to own a football team, uh, entirely compromised of people who have been acquitted for murder. You know, an entire football team of uh, people proven innocent of murder. Obviously, the team's name is O.J. Simpson and the boys. Uh, and every, it's, that's the dumb part. And every night before the game, I call all of my former, uh, my former convicts in, and I go, all right, guys. You're going to kill it out there. But nobody can prove you did it. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, that's awesome. That's yeah. Noah Farberman for you. And I know it does shows every month, so check him out yep. online at... Pastor, but I'd go, um, that's a good question. Uh, Noah Farberman on Instagram or Bad Tattoo Comedy on Instagram. We just started that. We're also on Facebook as Bad Tattoo or as Pastor Bedtime. And we're on YouTube as Bad Tattoo Presents. Uh, so there's a few there's a few different outlets you can find me on Instagram, YouTube, social media. You can call me at six four seven. I'm not gonna. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Only if you're pretty. Yeah. Yeah. And Emil, where can we find you? I mean, you can find me at the Entertain Us podcast on Instagram or Emil, Ooh. more like dessert. <laughs> Emil's like lying backwards, so double meaning. Oh. And, uh, you can find me at the Magic of Aaron Matthews on Facebook or Aaron Matthews Magic on Instagram. Have a great week, guys. We'll see you next week. Thank you.